I want you to turn with us again to Matthew chapter 5. Let's read the first 12 verses. Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let us pray. Our holy and righteous Father, as we wait before thee this morning, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, coming on the basis of who he is and what he's wrought for us. We just lay at thy feet and look up in thy face as a little child and ask you to teach us from thy precious word this morning the things that thou would have us to know and to understand. Father, not only to teach us but to give us that grace that we will not only be hearers of the word, but doers also. And that each and every one of us will find ourselves calling upon the name of the Lord in the way thou would desire us to call. That we would understand that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. We ask for thy mercies to rest upon us this morning. You've told me all morning, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. And Father, we've come with an open mouth this morning, asking you to fill it, because we desire, above all things, that thy name would be glorified this morning, and this word that thou hast given will sink down deep into our hearts, and each and every one of us will know whether or not we have a pure heart. For we to stand before you one day, we to see God. We to see you in thy wrath, or we to see thee in all thy loveliness of mercy, grace, and peace. And so we pray for hearing ears and seeing eyes. And draw each thought and each heart in from the world. May Satan not snatch away the word this morning. But may it find a lodging place in each and every one of our hearts is our cry. Help us and lead us. Praise you for this past week. 
all that you've accomplished, all the material that's gone out from this place around the world, that which will go out this next week, my Father, with the magazine that honors and glorifies thy name and thy majesty. We pray that you will use it. Keep us broken at thy feet, that we may walk in a way that is pleasing unto thee. Even today we pray that thou will call out thy people and have mercy upon them. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is our sixth message today on this series on the Beatitudes. We come to a statement of truth that I think is one of the most solemn, heart-searching verses of Scripture in the entire Bible. For if you would need, if you would understand what the Holy Spirit is saying here, you would understand that statement, and I hope you'll know a little bit about it when we get through this morning by the grace of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Solemn, searching, but praise God, <coughs> it's blessed. I've been with this verse all week long. And the more I look at it, the more I cry to God for understanding of it and working it out in my own heart, the more I understand that this verse puts the last nail in the coffin of carnal Christianity and buries it ten foot under. And does away with every little profession does away with everything that is of the flesh and brings us face to face with the living God that without a pure heart we shall not see God. But with a pure heart we shall see God. So as God begins to open this up to, this, to our hearts this morning, we pray that, it will, that we will hear and understand the things that are made for our peace. This verse of Scripture reminds me of the one in Hebrews 12, 14, where he says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, to rightly divide this verse of Scripture, to really understand its meaning, we must understand that there are two Greek words for the word pure. The first one has to do <coughs> with the living God. The word pure means holy, pure from all defilement, pure from all contamination. And when you go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, you will get an idea that he is talking that the Greek word for pure <coughs> here is the one that pertains to God in all of his holiness. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
But we, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And that word pure there, the Greek word means holy, speaking of God, speaking only of what God is and what he has done. Then again, in Philippians chapter 4, when he tells us there <clears throat> to seek after these things, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that statement in there that we'll think upon, whatsoever things are pure, that word pure there in the Greek means holy, without contamination. When we dwell and meditate upon God, we meditate upon his purity and his Holiness. But our text this morning has the other meaning of pure. Here the word means to cleanse. And I'm going to show you how this what what this is all about. The pure in our text means pure as being cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.5, now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. Then in 3.22 of 1 Peter, 1 Timothy, hold in the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. That word there means a cleansed conscience. And we can show that from Hebrews chapter 9, where it says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify after the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge or cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Or we have that same usage in Psalms 51, where David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, a heart cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to see this by the grace of God as, as it opens up this morning, why this word was used here. Because I do believe, as I've thought about it and meditated upon it during the week, I do believe that we see in these two words, the translation of these two words, pure, which means holy, which means the nature of the living God 
corresponds to our positional sanctification in Christ when he saves us. Well, this is what God does for us when he saves us. He makes us like himself. The second one, the word for in our text this morning, carries with it the connotation of sanctification which is progressive, which is carried on in the believer's heart continuously by the grace of God. Now, you pray for me. Pray that God will give you ears to hear. If you hear this message this morning and grace and, and God by his grace would write it upon your heart, you would never be the same person again. I don't see how you could be. Because the man who has a pure heart, a cleansed heart, is the man that sees God. He sees him now, and he will see him throughout eternity in the person of, of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to me, or you listen to me, I believe this verse of Scripture is the meat and the marrow of Christianity. The meat and marrow of our religion. Because we have to have a clean heart, a heart cleansed by the blood of Christ, to ever stand before God to see him in all of his glory and his beauty throughout eternity. Otherwise, we'll only stand before him to feel and understand his wrath. Remember now, the Greek word pure that means holy also means what God has made us in Christ. We are called saints. We are called holy ones. We, have call, we are called sanctified ones. Not because of anything that we've done, but because God in his mercy and grace has saved us and planted within us his nature and give us, given us a new heart. And therefore, that new heart seeks after the living God. And as I said, corresponds to our positional sanctification as we sit before God, holy, righteous, without blame, unreprovable in his sight, even while we walk down here, as it were, with contaminated feet, waiting for the coming of the Lord. And beloved, I'll tell you something this morning. If God had not written these two things upon my heart decades ago, I would have definitely gone astray. That I have in Christ a holiness, and a sanctification, and a purity, a pure heart without sin before God, in Christ. This is what he's brought me into in his salvation. Because, because, salvation, because salvation belongs unto God. And he, when he gives it to us, he lets us sit in heavenly places. He puts us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
But there's no man in this house this morning, no woman, no young person in this house this morning that can say that they have an exercise continuously a heart that is holy and that in thought, word, and deed they are perfect and pure and clean even now. It does away altogether with this sanctification fully to be obtained in this life where we live above sin, where the thoughts of sin never come into our hearts and minds, where we live above sin in thought, word, and deed, and we have no sin, and we have already come into possession of that which we have in Christ, which is that positional sanctification or holiness or purity of heart which God gives and reckons to our account. No, sir, it's not taught in God's Word. For all of us, I say all of us, have come short of the glory of God. Now, what he has done for us when he saved us is that he gave us a pure heart, he gave us a clean heart. And as we try to open this up this morning by the grace of God, <clears throat> I want to show you that there's two aspects to this purity of heart, and he calls it here, because we have that positional place in Christ, because our heart has been cleansed, and we've come to understand the deep depravity of our own soul, the Holy Spirit has taught us that we that no good thing dwells within us whatsoever. And daily we must come back in confession and cry unto God for mercy, pleading the blood of Christ. But there's two things that shows the man that he is a child of the living God. I'll show you why. The first three Beatitudes have reference to the pure, the pure in spirit corresponds to blessed or the merciful. For only a man who is poor in spirit, has nothing, knows nothing, can do nothing, will be merciful toward others. The pure in heart corresponds to they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's amazing, isn't it? A lot of people doesn't, don't believe this, and they hate the word mourn, because they don't, they don't want to mourn over sin. Well, this one, the pure in heart, he mourns over sin. The remnants that's still left there, he's not yet what he desires to be. He's not yet what God has saved him for, and that's perfection forever and ever in the Lord Jesus Christ with our new bodies. We haven't got there yet. But even in this life with a cleansed heart, praise God, we can have fellowship with the living God. We can live and move and have our being in him. We can seek his face. We will see his face, even now, by faith. That's the reason 
I believe every child of God desires to have a pure heart, a clean heart by the grace of God that he can walk in fellowship with the living God and he can see him by faith. There's nothing in the way. And he desires to get everything out of the way that hinders this view of the Lord of glory. He wants Christ. He wants holiness. His desire is after him. And this is what we want to look at this morning by the grace of God. <clears throat> then, I didn't finish the first beatitude we have reference to the merciful. The second one, they that mourn are those who cry over sin. They have a clean heart, pure heart. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth corresponds to the peacemakers. For if a man is not meek, he could never be a peacemaker. And then, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. All bringing all of this to pass has reference to the last beatitude. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me drop this here and I'll leave it. A man who more, a man who is poor in spirit and is a merciful man, a man who is mourns over sin and has a clean heart and desires that pure heart, a man that is a peacemaker who is meek and is a peacemaker, brethren, listen to me, when this is in our lives, then we can understand why we'll be persecuted. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that's what this is all about this morning, living righteously and holy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what this beatitude teaches, for we to stand before God. And therefore, that's where, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That is our hope. That's where God undertakes for us in that beatitude to let us know that we're fully satisfied in him by the grace of God. All right, blessed are the pure in heart. What is meant by this word heart? Well, <clears throat> you know your Bibles at all. You know that the Scripture speaks of the heart as being the very center of our personality. All of our being is wrapped up in our heart. It's a man's being. It's a man's personality. It's a man's understanding. It's a man's intellect. It's a man's affection, his emotions, his will. All comes from the heart. Includes the mind. Includes all the whole man. For out of the heart of man proceedeth everything. For we are told in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, 22, and 23 in these words. 
for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now, how in the world can a man with a heart like that say he has a pure heart? How can a man with a heart like that says that he has a cleansed heart? It only comes, we go back, brethren, to the very purpose of God at Calvary. We go back to the very purpose of the shed blooding of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go back to God's great mercies upon us in Christ, that he comes by the Holy Spirit. Now, if any man thinks that he can give himself a pure heart, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Any man who thinks he can change his heart doesn't know what he's talking about. Any man who feels he can pick himself up by his bootstraps and make himself better, he doesn't know what he's talking about. For out of this heart proceeds all of these things, and how are we going to stop this overflow? Beloved, it is only by the grace of God that it can be stopped in my mind and in my heart now. Only by, the, only by the grace of God. So this takes the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Beloved, let us never forget that. Let us never forget that it's the work of the Spirit of God that regenerates. It's the work of the Spirit of God to give us a new heart, to give us a new spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit of God to bring us to our wits in, as it were, to wits in corner, whereby we throw up our hands, cry for mercy, and we are directed to look by Christ, to look by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone can deliver us from going down to the pit, who alone can give us a new heart. Beloved, the most helpless feeling in the world I ever had was to know that I could not give myself a new heart. I was wholly and completely dependent upon God, even though I coupled two promises together. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart, and I'll give you a right spirit, and I'll put my spirit within you. And I coupled that with Titus 1, 2, that God cannot lie. And I went before his throne of grace, over and over and over again. Oh, Lord God, you promised me a new heart, and you can't lie. But I could not give myself that. You don't know the phone calls I receive. You don't know the people I hear who cry on the other end of the phone. Can you help me? I'm lost. I'm without hope. I need a new heart what a man told me last week. I need a new heart. I know that. But how do I get it? Beloved, there's only one place, and that's from the living God can give a new heart. Only the living God can take away that stony heart out of our flesh. That's the reason salvation, beloved, is far, far greater difference between heaven and this earth and just walking down the aisle and giving the preacher your hand and making a little confession 
or saying a little prayer or signing a little card and saying for somebody to tell you that now you're saved, go your way, and you'll be okay. No. It's a dramatic thing. It's a change. It's so much of a change that you've changed masters. Actually, you have changed worlds. For you're no longer of this world, but you of the world to come. It's such a change that before you could not see God, but now you see God, and you love him, and your heart goes out to him. You had no use for him, but now your heart goes out to him in love, and you, you make love to him. Why, who would have ever thought that I would have ever done that, except by the power of God's Spirit working in me. It's such a miracle of grace that it's called regeneration or new birth. In other words, it's, it's not making over the new man, the old man. It's a new man coming in. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's the reason God does this when he gives us a new heart and puts this clean pure, clean heart in us. And then he began to, begins to work with us by his Spirit that we might seek his face and call upon his holy name. Therefore, the Holy Spirit must come and praise God, he does. And like David, we began to say, unite my heart to fear thy name, O Lord. The pure heart is the heart that is no longer divided. It is a heart that is single. That's what he talks about in that sixth chapter of Matthew 6. It's a single, single eye. You're not looking cross-eyed anymore. You're looking at Christ. You're looking at his glory. You desire him. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Make it single. O oh Lord, take away entirely every bit of hypocrisy in my heart and life and make it real. All right? Now, the first thing I want to look at as we go into this is I want you to look, I want, want to try to show you by the grace of God that the man with a clean heart or a pure heart, as it says in our text, is a man that desires not to sin against God. You heard that, didn't you? He desires not to sin against God. He desires that holiness. To be pure in heart means to be like the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Being pure in heart means that we have an undivided love which regards God as our highest good and which is concerned only about loving and receiving that love from him. To be pure in heart means to keep the first great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, 
and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. In other words, we desire to love him and to please him. Before God saved us, there was no beauty in him that we should desire. But now we can't live without him. And so we desire him. And we seek after him. To be pure in heart means we now live to the glory of God in every respect of our lives by the grace of God. And our one supreme desire in our lives is to please him, to walk with him. Are you sure that you're telling the truth? Ask any child of God. What is his desire? Say by name. It's to be like him. In every respect, to be like him. He desires to be like him. He wants to live for the glory of God in everything that he does. It means that we desire God, that we desire to know Him, that we desire to love Him, we desire to serve Him. And our Lord states here that only those who are like this will see God. We want Him above all things, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I want you to notice not only does the heart go after Christ and want Him and to walk with Him, but He's very much aware of how much of the old man is still left in Him, that He has to battle day by day. You don't battle. You have no trouble with fear. He must be dead. Why do you think God gave us in Ephesians 6 the armor? All of the armor. And we're to take it and put it on. We're to have our loins girt about with truth. Knowing the truth of God's word, the truth about ourselves. We're to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're to walk in the gospel and the gospel, what the gospel brings us by the grace of God. Having on the helmet of salvation, knowing what we are, what we have in Christ is that great salvation which he's given us. Having that and having the shield of faith to ward off the fiery darts of the wicked one. And they come. Don't you think they don't? And then to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to cut down the enemy, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for God has said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. To come back with the Word of God <clears throat> as we look at him. But <clears throat> as we fight the battles, we find that a pure heart is one that has a pure object set before him. 
If Christ is set before our eyes and ears, then our heart goes out to him. He is the blessed object, the one who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. And we see him by faith as the one who, who is that holy, pure object. We want to be like him in all things and in all ways. And then we've been attracted to him by the beauty of holiness. Because we see in him a perfect savior and a perfect redeemer for our never-dying souls. The pure in heart is one which fears the Lord. That fear of God has been implanted in his heart. Do you fear God? I don't mean that slavish fear. What you fear sinning against him. You, you fear breathing him and bringing reproach upon his holy and righteous name. You come to him because he has the one who has given you a hatred for sin. So now you come <clears throat> with this pure heart, this clean heart, you hate that which you once loved and you love that which you once hated. For you love now what God loves. The purer the heart be, the more conscious of our need of Him. And the more we see of, in, of indwelling filth, a pure heart is one which takes notice of every foul thought, every vile ima imagination, Every evil desire that comes into the heart, he runs to Christ with it. That's what he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says these words. For then weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. In other words, there is that desire <coughs> to go to him and to seek his face. We mourn over the fact of pride of discontent. We find ourselves murmuring. We find ourselves complaining. We come to him with it. This is not what we want. We find unbelief in our hearts. And we come to him crying, Lord, I don't want that. I want to believe you. I want to trust you as a little child. I want to walk with you. And when we find our affections are cold, and our heart does not go out after him as it has in times past. Does this affect you? Do you run to him? Beloved, that's a pure heart. That's a cleansed heart. That's a heart that desires the glory of God.
You sound like a man is talking out of both sides of his mouth, saying that it's a clean heart. But yet you're crying out against sin. I haven't got home yet. I'm still here. I'm still in this body. I am. I still have to battle with sin. But praise God that every one of those sins are beneath the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that does not give me a right to sin. Because I'm to see God. Beloved, am I to give myself to the world? I'm going to see God. Is there anything in this world or in this life that's more precious than fellowship with the living God? That's what I want. That's what we will have throughout eternity. I look and see those things which will never perish. And while I am waiting, I let go of the world. I leave the world behind and cry out against it. Why? I'm going to stand before God one day. I'm going to see God with these eyes. As Job said, I shall stand in that day and these eyes shall see him and not another. And because I have that hope, I want holiness. I want my thoughts to be holy. I want my words to be holy. And beloved, if we, 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 if, we, if we hold short accounts with God, we will be constantly confessing those hasty words or those hasty things that come into our lives. Come in the prayer room the other morning, Brother Michael and Brother Isaac was talking, and I just heard a little bit of it, and I gave out one sentence. I went and sat down. Brother, I couldn't go into that. I couldn't go into that prayer meeting without confessing that I spoke out of turn. I shouldn't have said that. It was not my conversation. I want to keep short accounts. That's a clean heart. That's a pure heart. Seems like a paradox, doesn't it? That a man who cries over sin has a clean heart. A man who cries over sin has a pure heart. But that's exactly what he's talking about here. For that man is a blessed man. I would want a life like that. Oh, you don't know how blessed it is. But you don't know that the end of it is we shall... See God. And that's exactly what these words mean in Hebrews chapter 11, where it's said of Moses, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, listen, as seeing him who is invisible. And we endure because we see him who is invisible. As I was meditating over all of this one more time this morning, it just come to my heart. Do I really believe there's a God? Do I really believe that the Bible is true? Do I really believe that one day I'm going to have to meet God? Then let me so live. That I may meet Him. I may stand before Him and see Him. And But now as we walk, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
a pure heart is one who abstains from the acts of uncleanness. Others may make light of fornication and adultery. The man who has a clean heart knows that to be that this will be ruinous. These are damning sins. So by the grace of God he abstains from them. Not merely from the fear of detection and disgrace, but from a dread of displeasing the holy God and of plunging his soul into everlasting misery. He is convinced that the body was not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. He considers his body as a member of Christ himself. Do you? The body I walk around in is a member of the body of Christ. Therefore, I am to treat it as the temple of the living God. And what have I to do with sin? Shall I sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He must, by the grace and blood of Christ, keep his body pure. And he cries to God for this. He labors that there will no evil desires be in his heart. Being of like passion with others, he cannot but find, feel as others some on some occasions, but he has been he has learned by God's grace to cry out against his depraved nature and to crucify the flesh with the affections and lust. The man with a pure heart is one that pursues after holiness. He is one that goes after godliness. He is one that takes to heart Titus three. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us to deny an ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Is that our desires? To live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world? We must go to him. I don't want to be like the world. There's a very, very heart-searching scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs 5, 14. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. You know what he's saying? He said, right in among the people of God, in the church of God, where I claim <clears throat> to know the living God, I was almost in all evil, right in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Beloved, we must be held everywhere we are. And everywhere we go, we must be held by the grace of God. Do you realize that? Do you understand that? It's only, only by the grace of God that we can be held. If evil thoughts or desires arise... He regards him as fire in his soul. He cries like David, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We're the temple of the living God. Can I ask you a question? How often are you like your, are you like your Lord? 
to go into the temple and drive out the money changers. This is a practice with you? This your life? To go into the temple, the body, the temple of God, and drive out the money changers. You don't want them. You want holiness and peace in the Lord. And then by the grace of God, this man who has a pure heart tries to avoid the occasions of evil. If we know what is best for us, we stay away from that which occasions evil. I can't let myself, by the grace of God, read certain things. I know what'll do to me. I never will get, never will forget when I worked at Stanford Supply and Armor Company. We only had thirty minutes for lunch, and most everybody brought their little brown bag, and and they sat around in groups and talked. Well, I had to get up and get out for 30 minutes. And I just, I would go in the warehouse and sit down by myself. You know why? I knew what they were going to talk about. I had to listen to it when I was working, but I did not have to listen to it on my time. Avoid it. Beloved, avoid that which brings you into sin. Do not let your eyes gaze upon that which you know is going to cause your soul to sin against God. Make a covenant with your eyes like Job did. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a maiden. Make a covenant with your eyes. He said, Pastor, how in the world am I going to do all this? By the grace of God working in you, he has given you a new heart. He has put the Holy Spirit within you, the third person of the Trinity. The Spirit of Christ indwells all of God's people. He's there for that purpose, to continue to break the power of sin, to point out to us that which is sin, that which is wrong. He's there. Only God can take him, only God can work in the heart. How in the world can I walk in a home and work in the workplace with everybody around me? Doesn't know anything about holiness and doesn't strive for holiness. Beloved, God's grace will hold. You could never, you could never go through what I did for about five years. The man who sat in the front of me, his customers desired that he would talk to them dirty stuff all day long on the phone. Every customer he had. The man who sat in the back of me, he could not say four words without one of them being blaspheming against God. We had to listen to all of them. 
I would tell my wife on Monday morning, I said, honey, I'm leaving Jerusalem and going down to Jericho today. And that was right. Who held the Lord? Why? I'm going to see God. That's the thing that motivates or should motivate the children of God. I am going to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to gaze in those holy eyes. I'm going to look upon that holy face. I'm going to fall down before him and praise him. I'm going to follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth, throughout eternity. I'm going to listen to his voice, as that voice tells me, like it did the man on the road to, to Emmaus. He's going to open the scriptures to us, and I want to hear every word that he has to say. I'm going to see God. And therefore, shouldn't I pass up everything down here that I might see God? They walk with him throughout eternity. And beloved, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. For as we come to the table this morning, I know that Brother Michael has a few words for us before, but I will say this in closing out the message. Our hope lies in the blood of Christ. Our hope lies in coming before that blood, coming to that blood, and by faith applying that blood to our hearts. That we'll be clean again, washed again, as it were. And therefore, as we, as we come this morning to the table, I want you to come with this in mind. Lord, Work in my heart that which you have worked. Work in my heart that which we've heard this morning. Work in my heart. And let me see Christ by faith. Let me know that that blood was again, know again that that blood was shed for me. To know again that he died in my place. And he was made sin for me who knew no sin, that I in turn might be made the righteousness of God in him. And I will remember that when I was without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. As I come before him this morning, May I understand it was the love of God that drew me. For with loving kindness and tender mercy he drew me unto himself. He called me where? He found me in the miry clay, in the, hit, the pit of hell. He brought my feet, brought me up out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and put a song in my mouth, even praise to my God. We're coming to praise God this morning, to praise the Son of God, who is very God. We're coming to Him when we come to the table, and we're coming to Him to praise Him and praise Him for what He's done for us. Remember His death till He comes again, <clears throat> and our hearts will go out after Him. And we will remember that that grace of God has come and has saved us from the awful power of sin. He's given us a clean heart, a pure heart, whereby we'll be able to see God and to walk with Him. Isn't that a blessed verse of Scripture?
I found it, I found it to be very, very encouraging all week long as it kept coming to my heart. And then that song we sang, the last song, Oh, to be likely. I don't know how many times that went over my heart and mind all week long with this, with this text in mind. I shall see God. I want to be like Him. I want to be like Him now. And I know I should be like Him when I see Him as He is forever and ever. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.